This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. So ultimately, it's a balance between data validation and just gut feel and trusting your instincts and your gut to be able to make the right decisions about where the company's heading. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. You know, we all have great ideas at times, but when you find yourself with an idea that totally disrupts an entire industry, you'd better get ready for a wild roller coaster of a ride. You may soon discover that you have a target on your back, not only from the competition, but also from people and forces that were previously unknown to you. However, perseverance and resiliency to see it to the end may result in a few battle scars, but the prize when you win the war can be immense. And may change the world for good. You never know. Our guest on today's podcast knows this all too well. David Cannington is the co-founder of a company called Nuhera. It is the company that made the first medical device approved by the Food and Drug Administration here in the U.S. under the newly established rule for over-the-counter hearing aids. David shares how he and his co-founder started the company in Australia expanded it into the U.S. markets and other markets abroad, and then flipped an antiquated industry on its ear by transforming a previously categorized electronics company into a medical device company, which was able to more broadly expand access to hearing support technology throughout the world. David's story is definitely a case study and leading with both intellectual horsepower and leading with intrapreneurship. Now, you be sure to stay tuned for just two minutes after today's episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We have a very special guest on today's episode, an actual leader who has started, co-founded a a very interesting firm. I don't want to steal away the thunder just yet, but he's going to share the ups and downs of starting a new business at a very high level and some of the good, bad, and the ugly around it. So we're very pleased to have with the show uh, Mr. David Cannington. He's the co-founder of Nuhira. I want to make sure I pronounce that right, Nuhira, which is 
a company that made the first medical device that was approved by the FDA under the newly established rule for over-the-counter hearing aids. And we're going to hear his story. It is absolutely fascinating. And you're going to get some great tips on what to do as a leader when you're starting a new initiative or business and some of the ups, downs, and fun along the way. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Karen. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Awesome. And would you like to share with us where you're calling in from? I'm calling in from beautiful, sunny Perth, Australia, one of the most isolated cities in the world, but we still stay connected globally. Uh, Well, I don't know. Perth is pretty popular. You might be isolated, but pretty popular (laughs) around the world. And for good reason, Karen. It's a beautiful place. It is a gorgeous place. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we dive into your story, uh, David, I'd love to you to start out uh, by sharing a little bit about yourself. So as much as you feel comfortable, can you share just a tidbit about um, your personal life and our passions? Uh, yeah. So I'm a global guy. I've lived in six different cities and three different countries since the age of 21. Perth is my sixth city. I lived for 30 years in San Francisco. So it was Melbourne, London. Melbourne, Sydney, LA, Melbourne, San Francisco, and now Perth. So I moved to Perth because New Hero is actually based here in Perth. Uh, But when we co-founded the business, I was living in San Francisco. I've got three wonderful kids. Uh, Two of them live in in the US, one in San Diego and one in Denver. And I've got a 17-year-old son with me down here in Perth. And I think outside of my business life, my passion is cold water swimming. I'm a massive advocate of cold submersion and how healthy that is for you and how it helps you drive your performance at the peak level. So are you one of those individuals that I see in the midst of cold go and splash into the ocean and swim a bit and then come back out? Oh, my goodness. When I was was living in San Francisco, I used to jump in the bay almost every day with just – just Speedos, no wetsuit, all year round. In fact, the colder, the better. The colder, the better. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm based in Atlanta and I'm a Southern gal. So if you even <laughs> say the word ice or snow or cold, we run the other way. <laughs> well, strangely enough, down here in Perth, the water's quite warm. In fact, I my only complaint about Perth is the water is too warm and people look at me and go, oh, my God, you're crazy. Yeah. So in the middle of winter here, everyone's wearing wetsuits and I'm still in my Speedos. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. That is such an interest. I think that may be one of the most interesting tidbits I've heard from guests. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can talk for hours just about cold water swimming if you want. <laughs> well, I would love that. I'm sure the least listeners are dying to understand uh, and learn about your story because it's so rare that we have a founder with such an interesting journey. So I want to make sure we dive into that. So without further ado, let's jump into the the story of Nuhera. In particular, I I want to well let me let you start there first and then I'll I'll pepper you with questions after that. So can you tell us your launch story for Nuhera and how it got to where it is today? Yeah. I know you did an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. 
you really worked in multiple locations to grow the business, yeah. moved. And so let's hear all about that. Well, I, I want to start off by saying, you know, we're probably a great example of an eight-year overnight success story. It's taken us eight years to get to where we are today. And in some strange way, I feel like we're just starting, mainly because of what we've accomplished over the last couple of years to become a medical device company. Uh, so let me go back to the beginning. Justin Miller and myself co-founded the business back in, I think the, the idea percolated back in 2014. We spent 2015 getting, you know, essentially laying the foundworks of the business. And then we launched the business on the back of an Indiegogo campaign in 2016, where we raised over a million dollars. And essentially, we were successful in the early days because we were a true innovator in the consumer electronics space, well, in the truly wireless earbud space. So back in 2016, truly wireless earbuds were truly innovative. You know, I mean, people were basically had wide earbuds back in those days. So we were one of the innovative companies that were able to bring out a truly wireless earbud, no wires. But more importantly, we were the first company to embed some hearing enhancement technology in the wide earbuds. So some technology to allow people to control their soundscape, to hear better in a way. So we were really one of the first companies to do that. There were a whole bunch of crowdfunding campaigns that were launched in the two-year period around which we launched ours, and we were one of the, the few that were able to raise enough money and also get the company off the ground and, and to grow. So Heritage, as a company, is this hearing enhancement technology that we we actually established in a previous company that I won't go into too much detail, but New Hearer came out of an idea where we were selling uh, wired headsets into the industrial sector that allowed people to hear conversations in loud uh, industrial environments. So we knew that there was a consumer application to that. So eight years, it's hard to encapsulate in a couple of minutes, but essentially what we've done is we've basically moved from a consumer electronics company into a medical device company, which is a massive undertaking, but it, it, was a, but it was a necessary undertaking because as executives in the company, we really believe that the truly wireless earbud sector would eventually become a race to the bottom. And it would be very, very hard to differentiate yourself as a hearing enhancement product without FDA approval. Absolutely. Um, Can I stop you right there and ask you two quick questions? With your Indiegogo campaign, I know a lot of founders go through some sort of fundraising and either trying to seek funds from angel investors or VCs or family and friends or go the public route with Indiegogo, um, Kickstarter, all the famous ones out there. Is there any tip that you had or that you can give that worked well for you all to raise the type of money you did on Indiegogo? What was a key to your success? Was it having already a good network that you could reach out to or social media? Or was it something that you did to get people very interested in your Indiegogo campaign? With crowdfunding campaigns, Karen, the secret is to have a as large as possible engaged database that Already. you can get. Yeah, you can engage when you launch the campaign. Crowdfunding campaigns 
win and lose in the first 12 hours. I mean, the bottom line is if you haven't hit the ball out of the park within the first, to be honest with you, even in the first 10 minutes, when you send that launch email to your database and you're not getting lots of uh, sign-ups and lots of orders, then you know you're probably not, you're really going to struggle for the next 30 days. So it is the veritable launch platform. I love the crowdfunding and we, we love Indiegogo. In fact, we're exploring potentially doing another one with them as well. But the bottom line is you've got to have as large as possible engaged database on which you can launch the campaign on. Yeah. Fantastic. The other tip, one other tip too, is that you shouldn't do a crowdfunding campaign just to raise the money. I mean, the reality is it's it's a great market product market fit exercise. And for us, because we did a backdoor listing on the Australian Stock Exchange a couple of months before we launched the campaign, we already had raised $5 million. So we didn't really need, of course, it was wonderful to have it, but it wasn't our, it wasn't our goal to raise a lot of money so we could get the company off the ground. We'd actually already raised the capital that we, we required to get product to market. It was really validating our product market fit. I love that. And then the second question is around um, your choice. You mentioned your choice to, to seek to differentiate yourselves. Yeah. So I imagine moving into the medical devices arena was absolutely huge, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but were there, I know you did research on it, but were there any unforeseen road bumps along the way because <laughs> if you're trying to get FDA approval, I mean, it seems like they, they want, you know, your first child as payment, you know, almost to get the approval. So tell us a little bit about um, as much as you can without giving away any IP, um, that journey around getting FDA approval. Yeah, I, I think that the FDA route, which we chose to go down, was the culmination of a evolution of the company from those early days of having hearing enhancement embedded in a truly wireless earbud to a point where we've moved the technology so far that we couldn't say no to becoming a medical device, an FDA-cleared hearing aid, mainly because we were putting more and more hearing technology into our products over the years. So, for instance, we were the first company that put an automatic calibration technology, hearing calibration technology into a truly wireless earbud. And what I mean by that is with our products, and you can do that with our, our hearing aid, you can do your own hearing test in your home and then we, we can automatically calibrate those buds to your own personal hearing profile, clinically wow. validated. Yeah. So we're doing that now with our HP Hearing Pro hearing aid but it's very you know it's it's complicated technology we're using tools and software that most audiologists use around the world but we're enabling the customer to do it themselves so so the bottom line is you know every step of our product evolution was heading us heading us into the direction of becoming a hearing aid so about two years ago we made a a really courageous decision to say, look, this OTC hearing aid category is going to happen. It was delayed through COVID. It was meant to happen about three years ago. 
but it was delayed through COVID, but we knew it was coming and we knew we had to play in this category. So we made a very courageous decision to say, okay, as a company, even though we're a very small company, that we had to go for it. So, you know, that changed everything in the business to a large degree, you know, to mature from a consumer electronics company where obviously you have to have disciplines to be able to to run a successful consumer. But the disciplines required in being an FDA-approved, you know, self-fit, OTC hearing aid was just on another completely different level. So, and did you find that you had the right people and talent within the company to um, help shepherd you all through this type of change? Or did you also seek for individuals with additional expertise that you needed knowing that you made this pivot? Yeah, um, a bit of both, actually. Firstly, you had to have the right people on the team. But more than that, you have to have the right mindset. And as a company, we've pivoted a number of times. You know, we've always been innovating. So our technology team had the right mindset to say, okay, we're going to do this. You know, I mean, bottom line is we're, we're a relatively small Australian company who's been considered to be a true innovator in, in our respective segment for eight years and we took a and our team takes a lot of pride in that so i think we had the right mindset to say okay this is a mountain to climb this is actually the biggest mountain we've ever climbed since we started the company but we're up for the climb so we had the right team internally we had the right mindset internally but then we had to call on external resources we hired some people in the us who had very close relationships with the fda We partnered with a leading hearing research company down here in Sydney, believe it or not, which is globally renowned to do all of our clinical certification trials, et cetera. So you can't do it alone. You have to engage external partners. But I think ultimately the success relies on the right attitude from the internal team from the top down to make it happen. It it absolutely does. And for our listeners, I if you didn't get that, I want you to remember that you can't do it alone. You have to have the right team member skill sets and everything at the table in order to, you know, achieve the type of success David and his team were able to do. Now, do you market globally? What markets are you all in? So with the FDA cleared hearing, so the OTC hearing aid market, is only in the US at the moment. So that was enacted in October of last year. So it fundamentally changed the hearing health industry. So now you can go into a Best Buy or um, other major retailers and buy an FDA-cleared over-the-counter hearing aid off the shelf and you don't necessarily have to go to an audiologist so long as you have perceived mild to moderate hearing loss. Gotcha. So that's, that, funda- you know, that's fundamentally changed the whole industry, which is super exciting because there's 38 million people in the US that have got some sort of hearing challenge. They've been somewhat restricted over the years because they had to go and see an audiologist to get a, prescri- a prescribed hearing aid. And as you probably yeah. know, historically, hearing aids have been very expensive. The average cost of a hearing aid is about $4,500 from an audiologist. So it really restricted those 38, a lot of those 38 million people from finding a solution. I was, you took the words right out of my mouth because a bit, 
I remember helping my mother search for hearing aids. Um, she's unfortunately passed away now, but it was probably, what is this, 23, uh, a little over 10, maybe 12 years ago. It was hard and expensive. I mean, yes. she was on a, you know, retired on a limited budget. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, they invest, we invested in it because she needed it. Yeah. But this has made it more attainable yes. for everyone. And I'm so personally thankful that you all are doing this. Well, it's, it's also not just older people. What we're finding no. now is that, you know, people are getting hearing loss at a much younger age now. You start to yeah. experience hearing loss probably in your mid-30s. And it's, you know, there's a number of reasons for that. We live in a noisy world, but also people are, you know, the kids are blasting their ears with, with music at volumes that they shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be listening at. And that's causing, you know, noise-induced hearing loss. And so, you know, the average age of our customer is about 50, low 50s, whereas the average age of a hearing aid customer historically was low 70s. Amazing. And so tell me about, you know, we're just, not just, we're out of kind of the height of COVID, but with all the supply chain challenges, did you all have something similar? You know, we've got an interesting story around COVID, probably different from most companies. We did really well through COVID. There's a couple of reasons why that happened. Number one was that we had invested in our direct-to-consumer business. So we could, do, you know, we could do business anywhere in the world and anyone could buy our product no matter where they were. So when people were at home, spending a lot more time at home, they still had accessibility to a hearing device that they could order online. So we were able to navigate the, the, the really challenging waters of supply chain there were a couple of periods there where it impacted our business, but overall, that two-year period, we saw tremendous growth mainly because of our direct-to-consumer business. Fewer people were going into hearing clinics and more people were looking at alternatives on how they could help their hearing, and we actually benefited from that. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I know it. everything wasn't, what do they call it, um, unicorns and strawberries or whatever that <laughs> phrase is. <laughs> Uh, so you got to share with us at least one challenge that you and your co-founders had with Nuhira, especially in, in this latest journey, and how you all overcame it. Or did you overcome it? Were there lessons learned you know, from it? Um, or just an obstacle that you all faced that you were either able to overcome or weren't able to overcome, but got a great lessons learned out of it. Can you share one? Yeah, I, I can share one, but I, I think it's a theme right across the eight-year journey, and that is managing change. Mm, um, good one. I think change is a constant in a startup yeah. business. You're always considering a pivot. In our case, we've probably done three or four major pivots in our journey just in four years. Obviously, the biggest pivot was becoming an FDA-approved OTC hearing aid. But change is enabled by ensuring that everyone buys off on the vision of the company. And the vision of the company is very aligned with you know, your mission and your values, right? And we've, all, we've always, as a company, believed very strongly that we are a company with purpose. You know, we fundamentally are helping people improve their lives, you know, 
And, and we've taken tremendous pride in capturing those quintessential moments of people where they've really felt like their life has been improved by our products. So as a company, we constantly remind ourselves that this is the impact we're having on people. Uh, and, and embedded in that is the motivation to overcome these challenges and these, these change paths that you have to go through to be able to be successful. So no. the story there is make sure you clearly define your vision and ensure that everyone within your company and also outside of the company understand and buy off on that vision. And that's about leadership. Leadership is about, you know, having a strong vision for the future, but most importantly, getting everyone around you to buy off on it, to come along on the journey and to seek pride and satisfaction of being able to achieve the goals during that journey. So, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the answer to your question because every day has got its challenges. You know, when you're in a startup, the every day is a surprise. You know, every day is different. You've got a new challenge and, you know, it's, it's very – I could write a, you know, 10,000 list of all the challenges that we've had to deal with. But change is the fundamental theme that exists in startups like ours. I definitely can imagine that. And so now, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, listeners know I always like to ask the guests, you know, which one of the leadership tactics that came out of our research really resonated with you. And now it really makes sense around your selection because you selected courageous agility. Yeah. And for those audience members who haven't um, been listening or new to the podcast, Courageous agility is all about having the courage and fortitude, do what you think is right and move forward, even when the future is certain is uncertain or unclear. And so your story of New Hera is the epitome of having courageous agility. And, you know, with data and information and your personal expertise, still moving forward, even though there's a lot of complex things that are going on, especially like the FDA approval. But tell me why why um, Courageous Agility really resonated with you. I think that, you know, as a startup, you can use, you obviously have to use data. As a startup, you probably never have enough data to validate, never. yeah, to validate your decision. So ultimately, yeah. it's a balance between data validation and just gut feel, right? And trusting your instincts and your gut to be able to make the right decisions about where the company's heading. And that instinct comes from, you know, all the experiences you've had before starting that company. In our case, we had experience building another hearing tech company. So from an engineering perspective and a technology perspective, we were hit, we were ahead of most of our competitors. So that gave us a distinct advantage. But also, you know, I've got some gray hair and Justin's now 54. So we were experienced executives selling yeah. a product into a market that we could relate to. And Justin had a, a hearing issue before we started the business. So you bring all these factors together. Uh, it enabled us to make good decisions and better decisions based on our gut at times rather than the data. And also just in terms of the agility, I mean, yeah. we've pivoted, as I said, four times in eight years. And so you've got to be agile. Um, and I've got to compliment our team 
around this concept that our team is in, you know, they've always taken the challenge on and they've always been able to, to adapt to, you know, new things that we've asked of them. And so agility, agility is a really critical characteristic of a team that we have at New Hera and it's enabled us to be successful over the years. That's amazing. So I'm just curious, David, just for you, because you have had such a journey at your journey with this particular uh, business. What does it take for you to lead on at the top of your game? How do you stay focused and available and agile for your leadership team and those that work for you all? I think we're doing a full circle in this conversation, Karen. (laughs) I start every day with a cold water swim or most days with a cold water swim. And it stimulates my endorphins. It, it crystallizes my mind. It enables me to take on challenges that I don't think I would have taken on if I hadn't had that stimulus of jumping in cold water for half an hour to an hour, hour every morning. So I think you have to be at your peak game, right, all the time. And you've got to find a way to be able to maintain that. Some people do kickboxing. Some people do spin classes. For me, it's cold water swimming. And so I really put that down to how I've been able to manage the challenges and the pressures and the stresses of starting a new business because you have to be on top form every day. And so that was the way I've been able to manage it. I love that. You're right. We had a chance to talk about that uh, pre-interview, but I wanted to pull that out of you for our audience members because uh, it's so much. But I think the takeaway for you audience is to find what works for you, something physical, maybe something mental and emotional that helps center you, whatever that is. You know, for me, it's speed walking and organic gardening. That's my release to get me re- Centered and focus. A few other things, but you know, those are the top two that I always make sure to do. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I have one more question for you, David. Okay. One, maybe two. But the next question I have for you, uh, we're going to move away from New Hera, but I want you to. We talked about how you all decided to differentiate yourselves. So I want you to think about a leader that has also differentiated themselves in your mind. And when I say leader, it can be a person, it can be a business, it can be an entity, it can be a charity. But I'm just curious about one entity, person, place, or thing that has differentiated themselves in your mind. Who or what is it? And what about them really differentiated themselves to you? has to be a business? No, it can be a person. It can be an entity. It can be a business. It can be anything. It can't be my wife, can it? <laughs> it absolutely can. It absolutely can. So you just have to share what made her so special to you in your mind. I, I've been with my wife for 25 years now, and we quite often talk about why it works. And it seems to work organically. And I think that one one thing that I really admire around about people is if they have an appreciation of the journey, that A, life is an adventure, and B, life is a journey. 
And the journey will only be exciting if you consider it to be an adventure, if you maintain a curious mind, if you're open to new experiences, if you've got enough energy to move forward and not be stagnant. Those characteristics are what, and enjoy it completely. So lots of laughter. So those four characteristics, what I see in my wife, and also they're sort of very similar to my basic principles in life. So, you know, I think the characteristics are pretty embedded in the entrepreneurial DNA, to be honest with yeah. you. I think that the you've got to be a journey person. You've got to love the journey. Uh, most entrepreneurs don't start businesses to make a hell of a lot of money. They start no. businesses because they want to solve a problem and they believe in the journey. You know, That's and, and if you don't see life as a journey, then it will always catch up with you. You know, so I shouldn't be talking about my wife like this. I should be talking about. Yes, something. you could. I mean, I mean so. I just do that as well. They talk about their partners or significant others or or their dads or family members, or yeah. sometimes they pick a brand out there. But I always love to ask the question because it gives so much insight because it's something that's meaningful to you and passionate and then it helps bring it home for the audience. And I I think um, in the context of our conversation, Karen, she's put up with me for the last eight years in this new hero journey. So that takes a a lot of appreciation and recognition as well. (laughs) It does. (laughs) So that's why I want to give her a virtual award for leading at the top of her own game (laughs) for being a great support for you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, I literally blinked and time has just passed by. We could talk for hours, I know, but. Can I just say one more thing, Karen? Sorry to interrupt you. So just for your viewers, it's really important that they understand that whole OT, this new OTC category. One thing we didn't touch on is that we've done a licensing deal with HP. So you can now, you can now go into a, a Best Buy or go online at CVS or Crutchfield and buy an HP over-the-counter self-fit hearing aid now for well less than a thousand, for $699. So I encourage any of your listeners that are considering a hearing aid to have a look at the HP hearing aid, OTC hearing aid. It's called HP HP Hearing Pro. Hearing Pro. I had to get the the plug in. You do, (laughs) and I'm sorry. I told you at the beginning of the podcast, I run my mouth so much. Sometimes I forget to allow space for you all. So what we will do, though, David, we'll find it and also include that as a link in the show notes as well. So our audience members can check it out and support New Hera. Yeah. And then other things that you want them to know. We'll have how to find you, but anything else you want to leave them with? No, um, they can go to hphearingpro.com. What's unique about the product is it's an earbud form factor, just like I'm wearing right now. It's a hearing aid that looks like an earbud and has all the great qualities of a high-end earbud with med- medical grade hearing technology embedded in it. So that's, that's my 10 second pick. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again, David, for the gift of your time. You're a fantastic guest and we appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure uh, spending breakfast with you, Karen. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm about to go cook dinner for the <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You know where I'm going right now. To get a dunk in the water. Exactly. I'm going down to the beach for a swim. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, 
Listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. You know I only ask one favor of you, and it's to like and subscribe to the podcast, as well as sharing it with just one friend, because that helps us extend our reach and helping others to lead at the top of their game. Thank you all so much, and see you next week. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with David Kennington co-founder of New Hera. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of disruption in the world of work. While most of us won't have the opportunity to totally disrupt an industry like David did, sometimes you may find yourself required to lead an effort or initiative that disrupts you know, previous norms or the status quo. And while this is exciting, the venture is likely to be fraught with ups and downs. So it's important to understand some of the challenges that you may face when leading disruptive actions. And allow me to share a few with you. The first challenge you're going to probably face is resistance from stakeholders. Many stakeholders, including team members, clients, and even higher-ups, may resist the disruption to the existing processes or systems. Therefore, communicating how the change will fulfill an urgent need and why they should care will be absolutely essential. A second thing you might face is change management. Uh, Since resistance will probably be your norm, Being proactive about creating a well-structured change management plan to address issues like technology requirements, employee morale, skills gaps, cultural shifts, anything like that should be a first priority. Another challenge you might face is around uncertainty and risk. Disruptive projects often involve a high level of uncertainty and risk. Leaders must manage these risks effectively in both the terms of the project execution, as well as understanding how it will impact potential business operations. Another challenge I wanted to call your attention to is resource allocation. Shifting resources from existing projects or systems to the disruptive ones can be contentious, and leaders must balance the demands of ongoing operations with those of the need for the disruptive project to be successful. Also know that you may not have the talent currently in place with the skills that you need. So you might need to factor in extra time to search for new experts to bring onto your teams. Another challenge you might face is financial constraints. The financial implications of disruptive projects can be substantial depending upon what you're working on. So as a leader, you need to secure funding or manage budgets and demonstrate a clear return on investment. And then the last challenge I want to bring to your attention is competitive pressure. Peers and competitors are watching you, so they're going to respond aggressively to any disruptive initiatives that are affecting them. So plan for pivots that you might need to take by definitely having a plan B, C, D, and E. You know, leading a project that disrupts the status quo can be particularly challenging due to the resistance to change and the need to navigate unfamiliar territory. However, with a combination of strategic thinking, change management skills, effective communication, and the ability to pivot along the way, 
you know, if you master those, I know you can be very successful. So that is it for today, everyone. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and rate us um, if you please uh, would make additional time to do so and just share with our podcast with just one friend. You know, performing this one selfless act will empower you to help others to also lead at the top of their game. Thanks again for the gift of your time for listening to the podcast. See you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.